An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. I found the life that I liked and I worked toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah. Big love. I was thinking about a friend of mine. She's really changed the way that I've kind of thought about gratitude. Her name is Gina Hamity and she's a writer. And she wrote this amazing book called I Want to Thank You. And she took a year of her life and she wrote thank you notes to all kinds of people in her life. And whether it was the doctor who delivered her baby or the guy who works at the counter at the coffee shop that she goes to each day or a teacher from her childhood or a friend. She just took those opportunities to write thank you notes to all these people. And at first, when I thought of the book, she shared it with me and I thought, oh, here's going to be another thing. It's going to make me feel bad about all the thank you notes I forgot to write for gifts or, <laughs> you know, all these things that I should have done that I didn't do. And it's been the opposite. It's really given me a chance to think about how can you really express to people who have been meaningful to you that they've been meaningful to you? Yeah. People don't always know. And I think we think that they know or that they won't be affected by it, that it's important for us. But it's really amazing to be able to tell people how much they mean to you or even just that you're thinking of them. It doesn't have to be so heavy. Welcome to the Uplifters Podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and you just heard the wonderful Rachel Lipson, who you met in episode four, nominating a woman who inspires her, Gina Homedy. And Gina's book, I Want to Thank You, is about her year writing 365 thank you notes over the course of a single year. And I will say that when I started reading this book, I thought, oh, wow, cool, a book about gratitude. I love gratitude. Gratitude is awesome. I know all the research on gratitude. I know why it matters. I know how transformative it can be for our presence. But what I was deeply surprised and thrilled by is that it wasn't just a reflection on gratitude. It was actually a how-to manual for something that is so much more significant, human connection. And in my research, I have asked so many thousands of women what it means to have a good life. And their answers have boiled down to three things, to be well, physically, mentally, to leave a positive impact on the world, and to connect deeply with other human beings. And this book is a beautiful demonstration of how we can use just small and simple acts to deepen our sense of connection and presence at the same time. It's 
truly essential to our well-being. And even though it can feel really difficult to influence or change that sense of connection, Gina's book teaches us how. So Gina, thank you for embarking on this journey and then sharing it with all of us so honestly and so specifically. And that's really one of the things that I was I was most moved by as someone who studies human behavior and habit. I think the topic itself is really exciting. I think your journey is really exciting. But it was that process that you built and that you shared with us in such specific detail that made me so excited to share this with the uplifters. But before we get into all that process stuff, let's talk about your journey. How did this project begin? So kind. Thank you for that. I came up in magazines. I was a magazine editor, journalist, and over the last number of years, I pivoted into content marketing, mostly lots of different projects. And one January, January 2018, I had a new gig out in New Jersey. I live in Brooklyn. It was for a sheet company, Golden Branch. And I was spending those that hour-long commute doing all kinds of stuff the first you know, few weeks, you know, what you would imagine on my feeds in my to-do list. And then one day I had thank you notes to write. I had organized that December, a big fundraiser for City Harvest, and I had promised a bunch of thank you notes. And so it was just the next thing on my my to-do list. I pulled them out. I started writing them. You know, everything was like a checklist. I have two little kids at that point. You know, just everything was like, okay, next thing on the list, go, go, go. And now it's thank you notes. Okay, let's do it. Let's get it over with. And after that hour spent writing those thank you notes, which was, you know, basically just thank you to these random people in my life, some of which I haven't seen for years. You know, thank you for donating to this cause. That means a lot to me. How nice. You didn't have to do that. So nice. Thank you so much. After an hour spent writing that, it just felt really, really good. Like I felt like I exited that like taking off a to-do list, go, go, go. It felt like it delivered me to a different plane. You know, I just felt my shoulders relax, my breathing slow. And my whole day sort of started on a different I don't know, like a different tone. And that nice light mood kind of carried into my day. And I, I don't know that I very much noticed that the first time. I had a, a general background sense of that, but I had 31 notes to write. So after, you know, the third, the fourth, the fifth day, I was like, this is weird. Like, I'm like a happier person when I start the day with thank you notes. I was reflecting on this when I finished the last thank you note. And it was January 31st. And I was thinking, this was so positive. This was such a surprise. I've never been like a huge thing. Now I meet them because I'm like a thank you note lady uh, officially, like with a book. And now I meet the thank you note people, but I wasn't really one of them. It wasn't like that was something that super important in my life. You know, it's just, I would say I was neutral on the topic. And I was reflecting on it thinking, okay, this is really positive. How do I, what What would that even mean to keep it up? It seems crazy, right? Just keep writing thank you notes for what? Like, what does that mean? You know, but I have this background in magazines <laughs> and a lot of experience writing an editorial calendar. So I just sort of challenged myself, like, what would that mean, right? Especially when I noticed it was January 31st and the number kind of stuck out at me because I had just written the 31st thank you note. So it was like 31, 31. And so I was like, huh, like I've written a thank you note for every day of the year so far. So what, what if I did keep it up? Like, what would that even, I probably won't, right? Like I probably won't cause that seems nuts. But like, what if I did, what, what would it even look like? 
you know, and I figured January was already done. That was charity. If I can, if I'm going to calendarize it. And then what would February be kind of dedicated to? I knew because I had all this, you know, experience in content, Mm -hmm. I guess, slash editorial, you don't just start writing. Like everything has to, you have to have a plan, right? So I figured if I were to do this thing that kind of seems weird and like who does this, but if I were to do it, I would have to organize it in some way. So let's say it was by the month. And so let's think of 11 more topics. Charity was already done. What would those 11 topics even be, you know? And so I had a little brainstorm and started getting excited. Like, okay, well, there's neighbors. That's obvious. There's friends. That's obvious. And then when I started thinking of some of the other more obscure kind of creative topics like food and travel and health and parenting, I kind of was like, that sounds like fun. It sounds like fun to think about 30 people in my food life to say thank you to. And so by the end of that train ride, I had a little plan for the year. I think anything we want to turn ourselves on to doing, we can usually amplify that little desire by integrating some amount of joy or pleasure. And so you tuned in naturally to, oh, this feels good. And I feel a sense of joy and purpose, right? Like I do think there was some element to, I've got this time, but I'm in the train and it's not that high value or impactful in my busy life. So how do I also give that a little more purpose along with that connection that you were building with those people that was giving you that endorphin hit? Right. As soon as I turned it to like, I don't want this to feel like a homework assignment. I don't want this to feel mm-hmm. like, and that's the whole thing with thank you notes is they always feel like that. They always feel like this should and you should and you're late and it's like, it's etiquette and you're already late and you forgot the last time. And this was like, what if this was just fun? Like, what if it was just like a nice fun thing for me? And then obviously there's that, you know, I haven't even sent them yet, you know, so then there's that, but just actually doing it, you know, sounded like fun. I love that. And then you said, I'm going to turn it into a plan. So I actually have a method for doing this that highlights my interests, my passions, and my community, right? So you gave yourself a way to doing it, which I think is so powerful. What was the hardest part about continuing on? I think probably the emotional obstacles could have derailed it. You know, some of those were very hard to write and hard to send. I really went kind of deep with the thank you notes. Like I really pushed myself in a lot of ways to write something meaningful, you know, to somebody who meant something to me at a certain period of my life. And maybe we're not in touch anymore. And that is a scary thing. It's a very, it's like a vulnerable thing to send that out and say like, Hey, (laughs) I don't know if you remember me. I'm thinking of you still, you know, it's a, that's a challenge emotionally. And I felt like it took a lot of bravery. And then that becomes sort of addictive though, because it feels, it feels really good to like do something emotionally brave in that way. If there are any repercussions that are, that are positive, you know, it's, you know, got me back in touch with friends with whom I'd become estranged. It kind of healed some tricky relationships, a boss who had laid me off. I feel like it really created this nice closure on my end. And like for her, I think it was really positive. It was just a great year and nothing spectacular happened. Do you know what I mean? Like 
I didn't have a baby or get married or get a new job or make the most money I ever made or anything like that from the outside would kind of mark it as a great year. But it was a great year because I was like steeped in all, you know, everything that you read about gratitude that I hadn't at the time. But then in writing the book, I really boned up on all that gratitude research. You know, I was really steeped in all of that. Like I was really rewiring my neural pathways to be more positive and more grateful. That's one thing, the gratitude thing. And then the other thing is just how much more connected I really felt in all of these circles in my community with my friends, even the ones who don't live nearby, even in my own house and in my own family with people who I see all the time. My husband, I spent a month writing him a note every day, you know, just sort of reinforcing these ties that were already there, but naming them and, you know, expressing that gratitude so specifically and like bravely and open-heartedly just made me have like one of the best years, maybe the best year of my life and nothing outstanding even happened. I think from the outside, such a powerful story to be able to tell because what it says to all of us is that by these simple acts of courage, and you're right, it is really freaking courageous to put ourselves out there and to say, hey, it's me. I don't know and if you I'm remember you, but I think it constantly, <laughs> it's like the least cool thing you could do. Oh, I am so not cool, girlfriend. And I am such a big fan of not being cool because I think you're right. It's being cool that stands in the way of connection. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of the things I preach most often to my 12 and 14 year old daughters. We celebrate awkwardness in this household. Every time we do something that feels awkward, it's mm -hmm. a party. Because yeah. I do think it's like an, we, my kids talk about it all the time. They're like, oh, it's so awkward. <laughs> and I'm like, yay, it's awkward. That means we're uncomfortable. We're in unknown territory. And you started out with sort of low lift awkwardness, mm -hmm. which felt really important. You walked into the market and you said, thank you for your tiny act of kindness in my daily life. But even that felt awkward initially, I think. The neighbor month. Yeah, I think I started with the lowest stakes because the neighbors, you know, I'm just writing to the guy at the mozzarella store, the owners of the bookstore, and I'm saying like, I love that this is in the neighborhood. I That one time that you let us in early and you let Henry pick the music, such a great memory. You guys are the best. Like, it's very, you know, it's nothing but pleasant. You know, it still does take a little something. Like, I remember when I gave the mozzarella guy <laughs> his, you know, card and then he like read it later. And the next time I came in, he like came out and gave me a hug and he's like, are you moving? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm just... I mean, I know it's kind of weird that I did it. I'm not even moving, you know. <laughs> you know, but then, but you never know when it is your last chance. That Esposito's that was in the book that, you know, if you read the book, it there was an illustration of Esposito's with the little pig out front. And I wrote both brothers thank you notes for specific reasons. And now it's closed. It just closed last month. You know, so you never, it's like somebody's going to be moving sometime, even if it's not you right now. But it was great to start there because if I had gone right to like estranged friendship or like right to some of the harder notes I wrote to family members or I don't know, trying to find 
you know, my fifth grade teacher and all I had to say to her, it's like it, neighbors was a great place to start because it was, it was just kind of fun and easy and short and pleasant. Yeah. And so many of the things that I watched you do in the book were like, how do I lower the complexity and the barriers here and just make it a little bit easier on myself so that I can keep going. And I think so often we're afraid to lower the walls, A, because our society rewards effort Mm -hmm. and an overwhelm and overstructuring so much, but also because we think that makes things more worthy or right. And you challenged that every step of the way. You're like, oh, this feels hard. Signal. Time to make it a little bit easier on myself. And just from the outside doing that, what you allowed yourself to do is to build that muscle so that you were a little more comfortable with the awkwardness. You were a little more comfortable mm-hmm. with the vulnerability and you let yourself get rewards right away. Yes. So that hug, right? That was a big hit of dopamine to walk in and the Esposito brothers now know you. You're not just the woman who gets this cold cut, you're the woman who wrote the thank you note and gets this right, cold cut. Right, right, right. Exactly. And I think there's so much power in that reflection. And so that was one of the big lessons, I think, from your book was just the power of reflecting on what's easy and what's hard. And you worked your way up to those really deep connections and the really vulnerable notes. One of the fun things about this was every month really felt different. Like it was a totally, the audience, the different audience made for an entirely different approach. So the neighbors, quick note on a little card and handing it probably in person. For the friends, I just couldn't figure out what to say exactly, like beyond a generic, like thanks for being a friend all these years. It just sounded so generic and like couldn't, that's the other thing is I just don't like being bored. So like anything that sounded boring, I was like, I'm not going to do it if it's like I have 30 stack of like, well, I'm not saying anything, you know, like it has to feel fun. So I ended up, I remembered that you can turn a picture into a postcard. So I found, I kind of opened up a shoebox of all these old pictures, high school, college. And, you know, people say, whenever I tell the story, they're like, oh my God, you gave away pictures. I'm like, oh my God, it was the nineties and the early two thousands. There's so many like doubles and they're all getting yellowed and like, it's fine. Like I can, you could also just print them out or like make a copy. I just was like, this is better suited out in the world than like getting even more yellowed in my shoebox. So I just like reinforced those by, with four by six stickers and turn them into a postcard. And then it became really fun because there's something to write about because there's like a memory attached to this picture. And so four of those postcards I sent, the last four I sent, cause I kept kind of shuffling those postcards to the back of the pile were people that I had been in some amount, some degree of estrangement with for some reason or another. It was so impactful in getting us back in touch in this really lovely way. One of them, my friend John, he and I now have like a monthly standing Zoom and he's in Finland. And so that's like just special that we are back in touch in this way once a month. One of them, Sarah, she was kind enough to let me interview her for the book. She was really open about, it was this crazy conversation where we really talked about why we had stopped being friends and my impression of it versus her impression of it and why this postcard was a really good way for us to get back in touch versus an email versus a call versus any other way you might get back in touch. She said, 
you know, it was a very slow way of communicating, which offered a slow response. It was just gradual. There was no timestamp on it, you know? So she explained what was going on in her head when she got the card and she said, oh my God, this is so, what is this magical thing among all my bills? And like, oh God, it's Gina. And how is she doing? Oh God, I really messed that up. I, she, you know, I think it's like too late. Like she's not going to want to hear from me. And then it's like a day later, it's like, but she must want to hear from me because she sent me the card. You know, it's like a day later, like, maybe it doesn't matter that I don't know exactly what to say. It was this kind of slow way for us to get back in touch, which turned out to be a, a perfect way for us to get back in touch. And it starts with gratitude, right? I didn't say anything untrue. I didn't say our relationship is without it's complication, do you know what I mean? But I started with the gratitude for what we had and how important she was in this time in my life, of which she played a like a crucial role in my 20s. So it was just starting from there, just allowed us this relationship again. And we have, I mean, I saw her two weeks ago. I mean, we were very much back in touch because of that. I loved that story, especially because so often when relationships end, and they do, they end with our own individual stories. Mm-hmm. We don't have that sense of clarity about well, what were they thinking? Why did this relationship end? It just feels like, especially in friendships, right? Like we, in like dating relationships, we often have a moment of clarity where people say, I am leaving this relationship because of this. And at least people express some of their truth just right. in that, that discussion. Whereas in friendships, it's just like a slow fade. Mm-hmm. And what was once intense is just gone. And so that slowness, I think what Sarah's saying is, it gave me a chance to reflect on what I started to slip Mm -hmm. away. And it gave you a chance to reflect on what your stories were for your choices and what you believed about Sarah's. And for the two of you then to come back together and say, no, 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 no. This is actually what was going on with me. Yeah. One of the people I interviewed during this book, and I can't honestly can't even remember which one, but I always think about how they said, we think we are great at knowing what the other person's thinking and we are actually terrible at it. Like we have no ability and yet we still walk through the world as if we are good at it and that we know what people are thinking. You really don't and you really can't. No. And then you show in this book how these thank you notes as a practice can open up even more of those tougher conversations where we say the things we might not otherwise. So do you want to tell the story about your mother-in-law? Yes. What happened there? Okay. So one thing is I didn't send out 365 cards to 365 people. I sent, you know, the 30 notes within the month based on whatever that theme was. So a number of people got more than one note. You know, everybody in my family got a number of notes because they're, you know, they qualify as, you know, maybe food and travel and, you know, and parenting or, you know what I'm saying. So it started becoming interesting how many notes my mom got a lot of notes in a lot of different months. And my mother-in-law got so many notes and just, just that, just knowing, just seeing how often she you know, is working to meet our needs and anticipate our needs and how much she gives is just a powerful thing when you see it all together like that. And then 
I noticed, the more that I would be expressing my gratitude to her for these really specific granular things, you know, you bought Henry winter jacket, you noticed it was getting too small, if you took that off my list, whatever, you know, all throughout the year, I felt her kind of, you know, it just meant a lot to her that she was really being seen in that way for all that she does. Um, and by the way, I should say, we started off like not with a bad relationship. We had this nice relationship. But something that really changed was, you know, A, it just softens any edges when you are feeling that thanked for something, right? And when on her end and for, and on my end to just really see how much she does, it's like, how could you not be kind of amazed at how much this woman does for our family? And then what I noticed was she and my father-in-law, they are the nannies on Mondays for my kids. And so they're very much in our lives. Like they are very, very much in our lives. And there can be conflict with that because there's little kids and maybe just different opinions on how different issues should be handled. And I was just any kind of harder conversation that we had to have or that I brought up, it just felt like a much, we were approaching it from a much better place because it was understood that I wasn't saying, you guys, you don't do anything. And also I'm pissed at you about this one thing. It was clear that it was like, I am so grateful for everything. I think you guys are amazing. About this one thing, I would have done it differently. And here's why. And can we talk about it? And it's like, it, it could just be about the thing it was about, you know, and it without sort of a defensiveness of like, oh my God, can't she see all the stuff we're doing? And she's got this complaint. It's like, I'm allowed to have a complaint because it's not even really a complaint. It's just like a conversation we should have. Because by the way, like we're starting from a place of like such softness and gratitude where we are starting from a, you know, that really positive place. And then the little problem can be what it is. It's easy to see how it improved your relationships because of the process of segmenting your outreach. You worked on what you refer to from sort of sociological terms in strong and weak ties. Mm -hmm. And you balance those. So talk for a second about what those are and what you learned about them through this journey. Sure. So weak ties, I did this research when I was writing my neighbor's chapter. And, you know, basically a weak tie is you know, your neighbor, an acquaintance, the people in your life that you, you know, it's low stakes, basically. And then a strong ties, your good friends and family. And, you know, the research that I was reading and, you know, speaking with the some people who, do, who did that research, basically the upshot is weak ties are quite important. Like you shouldn't discount weak ties. You know, they sort of go a long way in making you feel, you know, making you feel social and you being a social person in the world saying hello to, you know, that mozzarella guy, the bookstore owners in my case, you know, having a basic, even if it's a little, if it's kind of surface, but it's regular and it's friendly and it actually goes a long way in making you feel like you're part of something. But the feelings I was getting, like, you know, as you said, the dopamine from the hug from the mozzarella guy behind the counter, but just all of it just felt so good and felt good for me, felt good for them. And it just gave me the sense now that I have the, the, you know, that term weak ties, I didn't have it at the time, just felt like it's, you know, you just can't discount it. It actually means something. Yeah. And it doesn't happen by accident. Right. It was really an act of you. You, you talk about waving first mm -hmm. and being the one who says, 
hey, I'm reaching out to connect as opposed to waiting. And I, I do think that we do that so often. We're like, well, if I matter, right. if I'm important, other people will reach out right. to me. Right, right. Yeah, I quoted this whole project though was you saying, I'm going to be the one who reaches I'm out. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I was quoting somebody that said, nobody waves, but you always wave back. I decided to make that explicit that if this was my project, I was the one reaching out and I would have no expectation about what comes back because I felt like this could get very depressing very quickly if I'm like, in fact, I, I opened up a spreadsheet um, where I started, you know, writing the names of the recipients and then I deleted it because as I started sending them out, it's like there was a column that was just waiting for me to say, how did they reply? What did they say? Did, was it a voicemail? Was it? And I'm like, I don't want to, some of these people won't write back or won't respond or won't. And I just can't, I can't get in. That can't be the point of this year is to like wait. And, oh, what does it mean? It was, it's been weeks. Did they get it? Did they not get it? Do they think it's weird? They, and I'm like, so I just deleted the spreadsheet and I'm like, I will, this has to all be a gift. It just has to be. And anything that comes back to me, I will think of as a lovely bonus, but it's just not the point. The point wasn't let me do this and get a bunch of love in return. And the point was like, let me give it. Let me say all the stuff I have to say, you know, let me remember who I am in the world and in my community and what's important to me. And let me name it and name the people and tell them. And that's the point. Yeah. And it is so easy though, right? To not, to miss those little thoughts mm -hmm. that say, oh, they didn't write me back. This is hurtful. And ultimately that's going to stop us from doing the things that feel good. And so you just, you were so honest with yourself. And again, I feel like <laughs> the greatest thing about this book, the thing that is most exciting for me as somebody who cares about human behavior and who understands motivation is the awareness you had of your own mental hurdles <laughs> and you. your honesty because you were able to say, oh, this might stand in the way of my progress. So I'm going to acknowledge, yeah, there is a part of me that would like a response and I'm going to reinforce for myself that that's not the truest, most important thing. And so I'm going to set that aside and refocus my energy and attention. You use the word generosity a lot in the book. The idea of gratitude as an act of generosity, but also the responses as an act of generosity. And I do think that that is the more generous approach mm -hmm. is to say, I'm going to put this gratitude out. I'm going to send love, but without an expectation of receiving it back. And, and I think that conscious awareness of that distinction probably had a, a big part to play in you finishing because you could have stopped. Like you said, it was all self-imposed. You could have stopped any of this at any time. But you kept simplifying it. You kept facing the mental hurdles. And you did it. I did. And then you shared it with Thank us. Thank you. Yeah. I did. Thank you. It was really generous of you to give us all of your lessons that you learned in the process of it. And to remind us that those thoughts are going to come up for all of us. I'll tell you the usual ones that I hear all the time just to get ahead of people. My handwriting's too bad. And I always say, it really doesn't matter. I mean, A, you could type and print if you want, if you want it to be something that you mail. Everybody's handwriting's bad. Nobody's is good. Yours is fine. And it's never too late. Everybody thinks it's too late. 
maybe a lot of people who, maybe people didn't write me back because they wanted, instead of doing a text, they wanted to like really put that time into like a response and really do it right. And then months go by and now I'm too late. You're never too late because this isn't a thank you note from, you know, for your aunt for the sweater that like is there really to serve as like a confirmation receipt. Got your sweater. Thanks so much. This is different. This is thank you for something you did or said that meant a lot to me. And nobody ever writes to say thank you about that. So if you write it 10 years later, not only are you not late, it actually means more because you can share your perspective, what you remember after all this time. Also, people were worried about how to get an address. And I'm also like, just text somebody for their address. It's this sense that people are going to be judging this project or this act. What we hear in your story is people are just going to be excited. They got to thank you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I had this wonderful conversation with a social scientist who studies the impact of gratitude letters on the recipient. He studies how it feels on the receiving end. And he had a great way of putting it. As a writer, you're thinking about all these choices. You know, what, the, the letter, the, the stationery, your handwriting, the examples you're using, the greeting, like you have all these choices that you're making, right? And so you're in your own head. Maybe I made the wrong choices. Is it good? Is it not? On the receiving end, they don't know any of that. They're just thinking, this is so nice. This is so delightful. Yeah. What a gift. Wow. And so when people want a lightweight taste of this without committing necessarily to a 365-day journey, what do you recommend? If you want to just write one gratitude letter, if you could think of somebody who has meant a great deal in your life, who maybe doesn't know that they've meant that great of a deal, or Maybe they just haven't, you just haven't thanked them. So maybe that's the teacher, maybe the mentor, maybe that's, I wrote this letter to my best friend growing up, her dad. You know, people in your life that were sort of accidental role models or purposeful role models that showed you something about yourself or taught you something and you you just never told them. That's kind of the first place I would go. My career mentors month was one where I'm like, people should be doing this more often. You described it as the most authentic networking. Well, and I think to universalize your guidance, it's really consider where you want to deepen your connections. Mm -hmm. Is it in your neighborhood with the people you meet each day or for a sense of place? Is it with your family? Is it with friends? Is it within your career? Where do you want a tighter web of connection and start there? Yeah, yeah. Another topic that was just like, oh, this was so fun. My son, Henry, and I, in my author's month, which was like my fan mail month, he and I wrote to his eight or 10 favorite authors. A lot of them wrote back. I talked to this expert that wrote the book, Making Grateful Kids. And he said the thing that kids really need help with is making this connection that there are people behind the stuff you love. It's like obvious, but it's like not obvious. So it's like, you love this book, like somebody wrote it. Somebody drew it. Like this was somebody's idea. So one of the things we like to do in every episode of the show is to do a quick lightning round. So what is one quick way you raise your own energy? So I live in New York City and anytime I'm walking in a neighborhood that I haven't been to in a little while, the city just fills me up with energy. I spent COVID 2020 in nature and I realized I love nature. Nature's great. It doesn't 
feed my soul like this city does. I think, yeah, I I love that answer because it points toward this sort of core piece of you, which is that you are somebody who thrives on connection, who clearly enjoys and appreciates humans. I love the weirdos. I love like just seeing something new that's a new idea and like a cool outfit. And I, yeah, I just love to see people and what they're making and what they're doing and the art they're creating. And that just fills me up with energy. We are kindred spirits in that way. So what's one easy way you boost other women? So, okay. So one thing I do for anybody who asks, I will send my book proposal to anybody. I feel like there is this scarcity thing. I also do this with my friends who do similar things, my fellow like content marketer, writer people. If I can't do a project, like I am sending it to somebody, somebody wants one of my contacts. There you go. Like, I feel like what I have is yours. A book proposal is a specific example where when I was writing a book proposal, I could not find good ones. You can't just like Google that. Like, it's really hard. And so I will send mine to anybody that wants to write a book. So how do you elevate your community, the planet, or the world in some little way? Just expressing gratitude to the people in my community was just so, it was so meaningful to me and so impactful. You know, it's just something that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't challenged myself to this. If I didn't say, okay, Gina, February, you are writing to 28 neighbors thanking them for something. Like it's a challenge. And it was, you know, just really felt like it took these weak ties and it just strengthened them. And it just made me feel like I was part of this community that I love. And it made, you know, it just, I kept hearing this made my day and like, what a nice thing to hear, you know? Yeah. And even hi, Gina. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) You are known, you are seen, and that's what humans want. So one of the reasons I started this podcast, Gina, is because I have a lot of really beautiful, amazing women in my life, and I wanted them all to know each other, and I wanted to know their women. So who is a woman that you know and love that you think we would know and love? Yes. Okay. So Molly Chen, you should know and love, and maybe many of you do, because she is the greatest connector that I know it's just the way her brain works. It's like, as you're talking, she's just thinking of like eight people who she wants to connect you with, who can help you, who you can help them. It'll, you know, she's just that kind of person. So Molly Chen started like me in magazines, and then she was a co-founder of Birchbox. She is just a interesting person in the world and is always up on so many things and is a true booster uplifter of women, like absolutely walks that walk can't wait to meet her. (laughs) She sounds amazing. So as I start to wrap this up, I think maybe your book is a challenge to all of us to look at our own relationships, to look at where we feel a little craving for more connection or deeper connection. And it may be in the weak ties. It may be in the strong ties. But to use your journey as our own invitation to strengthen those 
ties that are are calling for a bit more attention. And it doesn't have to be a big freaking deal. We have those strong ties. We have those weak ties. You know, if you wrote, if the prompt was to write, like I said, 30 mentors or 30 neighbors, you know, be surprised that you have those people there. It's just some of those connections need fostering. Yeah. Just like anything that matters, it needs attention. Yeah. 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 My plants are going to die if they don't get sunlight and water. (laughs) So will my relationships if they don't get attention. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gina. It truly is an act of generosity. Thank you for sharing your story with us. For those of you listening, you can find more from Gina at Substack, at her website, ginahabaday.com. All the links to all her things will be in the show notes. So find her there. Come over to theupplifterspodcast.com and join the conversation with us about what it means to reach out, to connect, to be well (laughs) in our relational lives as much as we are in our physical and emotional lives. Gina, thank you for being here. And all of you uplifters, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the uplifters in your life. And then Join us in conversation over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love. Painted water sunshine with rosemary and thyme. Dwell in the perplexing, though you find it vexing. Toss a star and hover, be your own best lover. Relish in a new prime, plant a tree in springtime. Dance without all hindsight, bring the sun to twilight. Lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, lift you up, lift you up, lift you up, Mommy, stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peace.